Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and another edition of Feel Good Habits. This time, I'm joined by someone who makes me feel good. It's my my good friend, award-winning podcaster, best-selling author, Lindsay Kelk, who joins me on the show to share her feel-good habits, the strategies she's used to get herself out of a funk, really ramp up her productivity, and just make sure she doesn't slip into you know, that place that we can often slip into where you end up being not very productive, feeling a bit glum and not really having the verve and pep that you really want to have to go out there and achieve your goals. Now, Lindsay is, as I said, a best-selling author and a lot of her tips and strategies actually really center around how to focus on and how to strategize your day so that you can be more productive when it comes to things like writing for really long periods and being really realistic about the kind of person you are and where you are most productive and how you are most productive. I found it really fascinating. And obviously, you're also going to get an insight into my friendship with Lindsay. And so we don't, we rarely have a conversation where Taylor Swift doesn't come up in terms of her storytelling. We're big, big fans. And so please do enjoy us going off on a massive Taylor Swift tangent towards the end of the show. But what can I say? It really was magnificent when we sang that song in Palm Springs. That's all I'm going to allude to. Um, Lindsay, the links to her, her books and her podcasts are, because there's multiple, are going to be in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. But for now, please do enjoy Lindsay Kelk's Feel Good Habits on The Emma Gunn Show. Lindsay Kelk. Oh my God, it's me. (laughs) It is you. How are you, my love? I'm well. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good. There we go. I mean, yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a scintillating chat from which many people will glean much information. So it yeah. works for me. <laughs> yes. Efficiency. That's what we've achieved here. Um, I wanted you to be a part of Feel Good Habits because I think you make an excellent guest. You're also a good friend of mine. So, um, but you are a best-selling author of how many books now? I want to say 15 adult books. Um, 16th is coming out this summer and three children's books now as well because I'm coming for your kids. Like It was not enough to take the adults. <laughs> I want you to. <laughs> wasn't enough adulation. I needed the love of children. So I wrote oh. children's books. I'm not sure about that pitch. I'm coming for your kids. Quite, come on, I'm going to dive that then. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's plenty of parents that right now would be like, I've, I've my kids, you know, at yeah. least for an afternoon. Take yes. them off my hands. So that's what I'm doing. I'm coming for so your kids in a very helpful way. I'm coming for your kids, brackets. <laughs> don't be scared. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's a tiny bit scared. So you're a best selling author of 15. Uh, books and a 16th which is coming out which is in case you missed it it is uh, soon which I can't wait to read Uh, but then on top of that you're also an award-winning podcaster yes you uh, full coverage podcast which has a back catalogue of many many episodes is a brilliant podcast Uh, you also are a co-host of tights and fights which is about all about wrestling because that is your second love after your cats (laughs) yes this is true and many other things and so you um are self-employed you used to and we can you've been on the show before so people who've listened before will know but you used to work at a publishing house and then you just then you started writing books and I think that the 
art of being in your own space and in your own head and writing a book requires a heck of a lot of discipline and you guessed it some pretty good habits yes oh good work well done mm, it's almost thanks. like this is your job well done <laughs> <laughs> you have so good at it <laughs> it's also like um, I thought about it it's, I was very impressed yeah uh, I have worked for uh, from home for myself for 10 years this year which is wow, wild congrats. yeah thank you um, I remember making the call to do it and it being absolutely petrifying because I have no self-discipline and I have very little willpower and I am absolutely terrible at doing anything other than lying on the settee and watching telly. That's my favourite thing. Um, and it was a genuine concern, but I have somehow pulled it off. So I'm going to... Yeah, but okay, <laughs> Lindsay, I'm going to stop you there. Somehow pulled it off. Not once, not twice, 16 plus three times. So like... 16 plus three. Put your yeah. head in order, mate. No, it's true. I, and I do. I'm very bad at giving myself credit for things. And I, I know that. But it is still the biggest struggle for me is the discipline side of it. Is mm -hmm. me. Cause, and I talk about this all the time. Whenever people ask me about writing and lots of people are asking me about writing at the moment, I think a lot of people are uh, blessed with a gift of time. And they are thinking, maybe I'll sit down and write that book I've been thinking about, which is fantastic. Absolutely do that if it helps you do anything I've been writing helps helps people in millions of ways through millions of things um but the hardest part of writing for me is sitting down and writing it's just putting mm -hmm. yourself in a chair staying in that chair and staring at a blank page until there are words on it obviously there's some typing involved they don't just telepathically transfer from your brain to the page but that's the hardest hardest part yeah so what has been if you think about 10 years ago I'm so jealous that you've got a cup of tea I, I, I feel terrible about the whole thing, but it's delicious. <laughs> Listeners, we're on video call and I just said to Lindsay <laughs> when we started, really fancy a sweet cup of tea and she just produced a mug of tea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, day one of t 10 years ago when you started, did, yeah. did you set wildly ridiculous goals for yourself that you subsequently failed at and learned from? Um, do you know, I didn't. And I think one of the reasons... I I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm trying to process this as I'm talking about it. When I first went freelance or to work for myself, when I left my full-time job to write full-time, I was living in New York and I'd been in New York for about 10 months, maybe a year at that point. And I had spent that entire first year in New York working a full-time job and writing books. Uh, as you can imagine, I was 28 there were other things I wanted to do other than work. So I really had spent that whole first year burning the candle from both ends and straight up the middle. Like I <laughs> was so unwell because I was trying to work a full-time corporate job in New York, which is intense, regardless of the subject. I was working children's books, but you would have thought we were literally a brain trust of some. It was insane, the level of pressure and the seriousness with which these people took their jobs, which, you know, you should take your job seriously, but come on, it's kids' books. <laughs> there, was no larks, there were no larks to be had, so it was a lot. And then I was going home and writing my novels, and I was still brand new. I'd only written one book, so I was still learning how to be a writer and writing, you know, difficult second album, she says in inverted commas. <laughs> so it was really, really a tough time for me professionally, but I was also in New York. I didn't know how long I'd be there. 
I was single. I wanted to get out there. I wanted to date. I wanted to see the city. I wanted to experience life. So, so I did all those things <clears throat> with a mild case of alcohol poisoning once or twice, which I don't recommend. Um, but that meant when I finally left my job to write full time, I really gave myself a lot of slack at the very beginning because I had cut myself off from so many things. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, now's your chance to actually get out there, do some stuff, have some fun and make your schedule work. So while it was very much within me and my Yorkshire upbringing to just knuckle down like literally when I graduated I started my first job four days later like I did not there was no time off I literally Mm -hmm. never had any time off I always worked always had a job worked all through uni you know like just it was always ingrained in me that you work 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 um so for the first time when I had the chance to say actually maybe maybe that hasn't served you tremendously well throughout your 20s and maybe having a minute off might have helped you be a more well-rounded and happier person. So I definitely took the first six months pretty steady, but I just made sure I always got everything done. I I think you can be, this is the thing with work from home that people are, it's a misconception, I think, that people think, oh, you're just going to sit around and do nothing. Yes, I would like to do that. Mm. But ultimately, my biggest problem is doing too much. I think when you work from home all the time or once you get into the flow of working from home, the concern is you don't know how to switch off anymore and you Hmm. can end up working too hard or you can end up putting too much of your energy and too much of your focus. Because when your office is just your brain, it's really hard to walk away from it. Because how do you leave work when you are the work? Your Mm -hmm. brain is the work. You Wherever you are is work. So I think it can be really hard to switch off. And that's the thing that I've had to learn is how to switch off. Right. That's really interesting. I'd never, that took me a really long time to figure out that sometimes actually loosening my grip on everything and thinking about something that wasn't work didn't mean that I wasn't committed and didn't mean that I wasn't making progress. Yeah. Because that's how I was very much raised and that's how I approached my career right up until I left my job to work. That's why I worked full time for two years after getting my book deal, because to me, you were supposed to, you know, I mean, yes, when you get a book deal, it's a very specific thing. You're not supposed to leave your job right away unless you're getting like a ridiculous billion dollar book deal, which no one is anymore, by the way. ever um but yeah it's, this is a real small point for you you've mentioned this a lot during <laughs> so our time together think authors are very 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 rich and authors are not very 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 rich and will continue now to become much less rich because the value of books goes down every day but that's another discussion for another time please buy books um but uh yeah I just think I was definitely someone who was inclined to believe that unless I was sat in an office doing something I didn't especially enjoy it didn't really have to be an office it just had to be work was supposed to be a slog work was supposed to be something that you did because you had to not because Mm -hmm. you wanted to um I don't really know why I believe that but I did I and I I guess I'd just been trained to believe that you know no one in my family loved their jobs Mm -hmm. they just had jobs that they worked very hard at because that's what you were supposed to do I did that at school I worked very hard because you were supposed to. And then I got a job. I worked very hard because you were supposed to. I didn't know there was a different version of that where you can still work very hard, but actually 
have a life as well and maybe your job and your version of working very hard doesn't look exactly like your parents version of working very hard or mm-hmm. your siblings version of working very hard there are very different models of what being good at your job looks like I think I that was one thing that really surprised me when I went from having been in magazines for such a long time to then being freelance if you have a productive four hours at your home office yeah. That can be the equivalent of a full day or two days in yeah. a busy office where there are meetings and pointless emails and various other obstacles to actually getting your yeah. work done. And that was such a shock. Yeah, absolutely. And same for me, because I, when I'm writing, um, I write much better at night. So my creative part of my brain, whatever for whatever reason, switches on sort of later afternoon into the evening. And when I lived on my own, I would just write through the night. And that was my happiest I would just stay up all night and write until I was exhausted and then I would go to sleep and I'd wake up when I woke up and I was so happy but even to myself I was like oh you're so lazy you're so slack you sleep in till nine that's disgusting you should be productive now Mm -hmm. and looking back at it I'm like what was I kicking my own ass for like you were working for 12 hours of the day they were just a different 12 hours to everyone else or Mm -hmm. you wrote for five hours but you wrote 5,000 words and that's incredible And I can say it to someone else. I can totally sit down and tell someone else that what they're doing is fantastic and acceptable. But it was really hard for me to believe it of myself. And even now, especially Mm -hmm. at the moment, because my husband is working from home and he keeps he tries to keep a very nine to five schedule. So like maybe 10 till six or whatever. But he keeps a daytime schedule and then his evenings free. So when he's home working, if I'm not at my desk, even if I'm just sat there, like I'm like, oh, let's maybe check out Twitter and then Instagram and then Twitter and then Instagram, maybe Facebook, maybe Twitter, maybe Instagram. Like I feel like I'm slacking off, even though I've been doing this for 10 years. It's really hard to take yourself back to the point where you're like, do you know what? It's okay. The way you do the thing you do is okay. You're allowed to. You're not in trouble. And it's it's still really difficult. That's so that's such a good point. So it's basically like your habits so far are give yourself a break. Yes. Actually acclimatize to whatever it might be that you're having to acclimatize to, but also acknowledge what you are doing as well and just and just yes. be gentle. 100% give yourself credit and I uh, I've been in therapy uh, on on and off now for the best part of eight years, I would say. And it took me a really long time to realize also, this is, I realized going off on a tangent, but it took me a really long time to accept that therapy would be a useful thing for me. Because again, it was something that wasn't done. So I didn't think mm-hmm. it was right. And I just thought I was being sulky and stupid. And then when I started going, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. It's changed my life. Um, but one of the biggest things I get out of therapy that I get every time I go back is just someone saying, can you just be nicer to yourself? Like, would you say this to someone else? Or if someone mm-hmm. said this to you, how would you react? And and it's, I need that reminder daily. Like I need mm-hmm. that reminder all the time. Uh, and it's been such, that's been the biggest thing I've ever learned from therapy is maybe just be a little bit kinder to yourself and acknowledge your success and your achievement. And even if that success and achievement is getting dressed, like, honestly, for some people, that's it's for some people slash me. Um, that's enough <laughs> some days. You know, that's a lot. Maybe your achievement was taking that package back to the post office. Because for some people, it's really hard to take things back to the post office. Maybe that achievement was making a phone call you didn't want to make. Or maybe it was writing 5,000 words of a novel. Or maybe it was telling your friend a really funny joke that made your friend happy. But like, acknowledge the thing that you did 
that was a good thing. Don't just beat yourself up about the perceived bad things. Mm -hmm. In terms of productivity and actually getting those 15 slash 16 slash 19 books out, is there, I I just didn't start talking about that. Um, I mean, I didn't do it overnight. It's, It's been 10 years, but yeah, thank you. No, I know. Yeah, I just did it then. I just did it then. I yeah. just reduced your compliment because that's what I think. That's my thing that I do. Carry on. You're so lucky you're on the other side of the world, Kelk. <laughs> I'd be shaking you. Um, I wonder if there is a particular, when you look back at what you have done, yeah. would you isolate a particular good habit or um, in, in terms of actually getting down and writing? Yeah. Is there one thing that you think you settled upon, you figured out that has made the biggest difference and is why you were able to produce those books? Honestly, it's I've been trying to track whatever it is since I started doing it because every single time I start doing it, I am convinced I can't do it again and I don't know how. One of the things, this sounds so small, but what I've learned is it sounds small to me, but it might be the thing that helps other people. One of the things is my physical location while I'm writing and I don't write well at a desk for whatever reason I do not write well sat at a desk in a proper chair you know with correct posture which is why I have a bad back um but my most when I get my flow and I get to write thousands of words at a time it never happens at my desk it always happens like on the sofa or I'll be sat on the bed um I, I can't tell you why. I have no idea. I'm sure psychologists would have a theory like maybe maybe I relate my desk to my old job that I didn't enjoy. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because when I wrote my first book, I mostly wrote it at home on my sofa. But I, I cannot tell you. There are thousands of theories. But for the most part, I really struggle to write creatively at a desk. I can edit. I can do emails. I can do admin. I can do all that stuff. But I have to actually physically write in a really comfy snuggly spot um and that yeah that's one thing that I when I'm struggling I will just take a second and be like wait where do I physically want to be like where where in the apartment or house or whatever like where do I physically want to be right now will it change uh, and it often does so that's helpful that's interesting is yeah, there yeah. anything is there any kind of behavior that you engage that you you think oh I'm doing this and this is going to sabotage me creatively or productively um the main thing for me which is controversial and and not a real thing right now is leaving the house um because I will find reasons to do anything other than the thing I'm supposed to be doing and you can find Mm -hmm. reasons while you're at your computer obviously again Twitter Facebook Instagram and I have to do I'll be like I have to do it it's part of my job um it's the more important part of the job is writing the book or there's nothing to tweet about but um (laughs) if I'm at my computer not working I feel terrible if I can find a reason to leave the room or the house then I feel like it's perfectly acceptable so it's like you know what maybe I do need to go to Target and buy that one thing that I deeply don't need but will definitely take me two hours to leave the house go to Target have a mooch around probably grab a coffee oh maybe stop in Duran Fabrics on the way back they've got a 50% off sale on craft materials when I don't craft but it's something I might like to do. You know, it's like, it's that. Even going to the gym sometimes. And I try really hard to go to the gym because I know it's ultimately it's good for my mental health. But there are days when I know just getting up, leaving, going to the gym, coming back, showering, getting settled again. That's a 
could be a three hour chunk Mm -hmm. out of my being settled and it's the settling into getting the work done that is the hardest part for me like I said just accepting that I'm going to be sat in this one place staring at a laptop for time um so yeah just leaving just any excuse to leave is the worst the best thing I can do is like this is a weird one as well but I'll put on a movie that I know really well um and just leave that on in the background and that's quite a good time it's almost like having a little egg timer yeah I'm like oh I worked for the whole of twilight look at me uh and I'm, that, that helps that weirdly helps because I don't find strange enough twilight or like the star wars movies or the harry potter movies or something like that I don't find them distracting they're just on in the background um like I guess it sounds like co-workers I work with Edward and Bella quite frequently <laughs> um but I find that helpful because it, it's just time is passing a way that I can acknowledge it but it doesn't distract me I I need something to keep me in my seat I do that with movies to get to sleep exactly the same thing yeah it's familiar and I know it therefore I don't have to pay attention to it and sure enough you can bet I'm asleep within five minutes yeah same if I'm on my own I absolutely have to listen to something I used to (laughs) I used to listen to um American Dad a lot before I went to bed <laughs> which is such a weird choice and I think probably explains a lot about me but um, it's it's an oddly non-soothing animated comedy and yet it was the thing that put me to sleep every single time every single time there are no wrong answers there are no wrong that's the world we're living in there are no wrong answers that's true there are no wrong answers so <laughs> Um, I guess uh, to finish, I would be really interested to understand, because you did talk at the beginning about how you actually, instead of burning the candle at both ends, you did take a while to ease in and you did prioritise, prioritise the right word? Like actually living a bit of life? Yeah, do you know what? It probably is. I I want to say it is not the right word, which means it probably is, uh, (laughs) because I want to downplay anything that's not just working really hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it, it was really important, I think. That I, I never went traveling I never took any time off I didn't really take holidays and taking a couple of months to just and I was mm-hmm. working but I was not working was not my sole focus it's a different pace yes yes so now having settled into this and obviously having some sort of rhythm and producing probably what a book a year two books a year on average yeah. are you um in terms of like the work-life balance in terms of this is my work time and this is my social time, lifetime, whatever you want to call it. How do you compartmentalize? Because as you say, your your book is in your brain before it's on your computer yeah. and your workspace is where you live as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'm not great at it. Um, that's the truth. And um, moving in with my partner made it even more difficult because then you're not just worrying about your schedule and your work-life balance. You have to take into account someone else's schedule and someone else's work-life balance. Um, and when you work from home, especially doing a job like this, it, it can be quite selfish. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm like creating anything is traditionally quite a selfish endeavor because it means I need to put the project first to make it the best it can be. Like I can't just put out a book that's rubbish because I was too busy worrying about, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm like, I didn't really worry about help 
having dinner with Jeff or making dinner because it was my night to make dinner because I wanted to write this chapter. And to me on that day, that chapter was more important. And again, I mean, I'm not going to start on misogyny and the arts, but I could because uh, no one ever calls a man selfish because he missed dinner because he wanted to write a chapter of his book. That's just he's an artist. But if a woman wants to miss dinner because she's got to write a chapter of a book, she's selfish. But that's a different talk for another day. Lindsay, do you yep. ever do you ever wonder if you'd get there faster if you were a man? You know, it has crossed my mind. Uh, I'd be, uh, I've forgotten all the words, but yeah. I know, me I'd too. Be, I would be like Leo uh, in Saint-Tropez. In Saint-Tropez. Yeah, <laughs> if I were the man. Um, that, it's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. I love, I, we know I love it. I actually just wrote a, um, a, a rousing, um, supporting, supporting chapter about Taylor Swift in my new book that I know my editor's going to want to cut because she's like, can you stop writing about Taylor Swift? I'm like, not really, no. Um, but it was a rousing defense of Taylor Swift but on behalf of my heroine in my new book, which I'm really excited about that you'll be able to read next year. Uh, <laughs> I've been on my own in the I, house quite a lot lately, lads. <laughs> I sent you a message. In fact, I'm going to put it up because I think it were it, it's worth it. I um, sent you a message the other day <laughs> because I had seen a person, I had seen somebody say negative things about Taylor Swift. And so yes. I messaged you and I wrote, Lindsay, I've heard some people saying that Taylor Swift is actually <laughs> the worst and now I'm really scared. And, you're, and you wrote back, Look, I know things are serious right now, but this is no time for blasphemy. I mean, I just take my appreciation of Taylor Swift really seriously. I think she's an incredibly talented person. She mm. is a woman who writes incredibly catchy pop songs that are enjoyable on a very easy surface level. You can just enjoy Taylor Swift uh, if mm. you hear her on the radio. It's a catchy pop song. No denying that. You can then listen to the lyrics and... The lyrics are so universally relatable to the point where I routinely will just stop what I'm doing and be like, oh, my God, I know exactly what she's saying this very second. And yet they are drawn from such personal experience. I think it is an unparalleled talent in the current musical sphere, quite frankly. Um, and I will defend her till I die. I get very angry when people are like, oh, she's just shit pop music and like adults shouldn't like her. I'm like, she's an adult. She's making great music. Shut up. Basically, that's basically where I'm at. I mean, you know. So how how much has, has Taylor helped you write all of your books? <laughs> um, do you know what? I frequently have said this to many people that if I could ever write anything that makes anyone feel a fraction of the way I feel when I listen to the album read, but primarily mm. all too well, mm -hmm. then Honestly, I will have done my job because I don't know a song. And I, this is the thing people are like, oh, you just like Taylor Swift. I love music. I love all kinds of music. I've been a massive gig goer in my life, been a massive whiny indie fangirl that obsessively only liked a very narrow selection of bands and thought I was the coolest because of that. I lived in Williamsburg <laughs> in the late 2000s and thought I was the coolest girl in the world because I went to gigs every night. Um, I, we cannot count the number of times I've seen The National because it's unhealthy. Uh, and yet I still genuinely believe that All Too Well is the most affecting song that I've ever heard. Uh, and it, I cannot hear it without having to stop what I'm doing yeah. and listen to it all the way through and go on that journey all the way through that song until you come out the other end and know she's okay. Because it's, it's not her, it's yeah. you. 
it's like we've all been on that relationship and on that journey and if I can write a book that makes anybody feel like oh my god this this is me I've done this and obviously not specifically this but the emotional this and if I can Mm. take anyone on that journey and bring them out the other end then I have done my job have you seen her perform all too well on the NPR Tiny Desk concert? I have, and I cried like a small child. And mm-hmm. I saw her do it live when we went to the 1989 tour, and I cried then as well. And Jeff had just started going out with me, and Jeff was like, oh, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> but now Jeff is a huge fan, and I consider that one of my greatest successes. And went on to marry you. Also, perhaps probably your fondest memory of All Too Well is when we were driving back from Palm Springs <laughs> and sang it like lunatics at the top of our voice in your car. The, the, the finest version, I think, uh, this side of Nashville is what I'm going to into my memory. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Worryingly, me too. Uh, but yeah, but I just, it is, it's a great unifier and that's when music is great and when art is great. That's what art is, isn't it? That we connect to it and it helps us see something of ourselves and make sense of our lives in a way that we hadn't previously um and without wanting to sound massively wanky that's what I do I write books that tell stories that help me make sense of my life help people make sense of their life even if it's just like lols on a sun lounger on their holiday they're getting something out of it and that's amazing and Taylor Swift can be listen to it while your parent is sick in hospital and it carries you through that rough 10 minutes or it can be driving back from Palm Springs with your mate and having a laugh like it, I think it's incredible when people can create things that give us that I knew you were going to say wonderful things I didn't know Thank we were going you. to think of this song on Taylor Swift Neither but I'm glad that I. We I made a list have... of things I've watched on Netflix because I didn't know what we were gonna talk about look at us oh, no no share tell me tell me tell me tell me so no, to, I can't remember. Tiger King. I mean, oh, because I started it last night. Yes. How are you, how are you getting on? I don't know why I'm telling you as if I haven't already told you. I've texted. <laughs> no, I know, but I, well, that's because we text each other most things. But I think that's fine. No, um, that is just one tip that I got from my therapist that I think is really important, and it's a relationship tip, but also a work tip, because um, it's a productivity tip and as a health tip. <laughs> was that I was like, I'm really worried about spending all this time on my own in my house with my partner, who I love. Um, and I was like, the main thing we argue about is what to watch on telly. And the main thing I get mad at myself about is what to watch on telly. Because I'm like, there's so much choice now. Mm-hmm. So we made a list of like things to watch. It sounds so simple, but it means we don't sit down and spend 45 minutes scrolling through Netflix because we know we've got something on our list. And uh, we like made a list of directors that we wanted to watch all their films. So it's like, oh, is tonight going to be a Michael Mann night or a David Fincher night? Or is it going to be a classic Disney night? And it just narrows down your cho- your chance, uh, your choices and it minimizes potential conflict, <laughs> which is <laughs> rife. Uh, and we've now started Succession because we needed to mix up the movies with a TV show. So I've heard that's incredible. It's really good. You would really, really like it. It's really, really good. It's really soapy, but really smart. Uh, and I, I like it a lot. It's on my list. After Tiger King, which I insist oh, you watch King. all the way through. Well, obviously, I'll text you in like three hours and tell you, you that I've watched <laughs> three and four, and um, we will establish wild what we both think about wild. I know, I know. I can't believe I'm this late to the party. Lindsay, thank you so much. I'm going to put the links to all of your books. Currently, 18 are on sale. 
19th on the way in the show notes i will also put the links to your social media tights and fights for coverage your facebook group which is an excellent place to hang out i'm often in there nosying around it's a um, fabulous that <laughs> yeah no it's a great it? place to loiter because um you find out all kinds of exciting things about beauty and what people are actually using and what's actually good i find that really interesting i like waiting for Corey's uh posts Corey is a star Corey, if you're listening to this every day i'm like oh look at that it, it mm. gives me a lot of inspiration reminds me a lot of terry barber Ooh, but you like that do you not think how he'll take his inspiration from something that's not necessarily beauty related and translate it into something really yeah. stunning and original? Love I how see he what does you mean. That. Yes. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good Facebook group. So I'll put all the links to everything, and you can remind me if I've forgotten anything. There's, I'm sure there's something else that you do, but cats. I haven't mentioned. Just cats. cats. It's mostly cats. Belle Belle's asleep behind you. She is asleep behind me. Yeah. Okay. It's just very selfish. Didn't want to be part of it today. No. I'm going to end the call and then I'll ask you about Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for joining me. I will. uh, And you're welcome on the show anytime, obviously. Oh, thank you so much. I was going to say I'll try not to talk about Taylor Swift so much, but that's a promise I can't keep. So (laughs) I look forward to the next one. I would delete your number if you ever said that to me. I have no use for it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's the right answer. 